Morning. Uh, the scripture reading today is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord, uh, teach us by your word and by the power of your spirit. Meet us in this time. Amen. Well, a while ago, an ad came across my Facebook feed from a company called Established Titles. The text on the ad said, Become a Lord or Lady today. So I clicked on it <laughs> out of curiosity. And here's what I discovered. Maybe you've seen this online. This company sells one square foot plots of land in a historic estate in Scotland where being a landowner gives you the right to be called Lord or Lady. So for 50 bucks, you can get a fancy frameable document with a crest deeding you to your property of one square foot of this land and entitling you to use the honorific term Lord or Lady. But it gets better. I, I scrolled down and looked at the testimonials, the customer comments. One man wrote, Since the purchase of my two lots for my wife and myself, I have noticed a difference in the service and level of etiquette shown toward us. It's a great novelty and, and one that does come with some rewards. So glad I purchased these plots and happy to call my wife my lady. And a, a woman wrote this, My husband loves his gift. Since I gave it to him, he will pull out his Lord status to get out of any chore I ask him to do. <laughs> LOL, it has become such a funny part of our family. I will yell, Jeremy, can you take out the trash? And he will reply, Lords don't take out the trash, Amber. This has given our family a lot of happiness, and our girls will have so many memories of their father being Lord of the house. It's funny because it's absurd, but it also hits kind of close to home. It tells us something true about our nature, which is to grasp for greatness. We like our lives to go up and to the right. So you're right, my left. We like our salaries to go up, our reputations to go up, our prestige to go up, 
uh, others' opinions of ourselves to go up. We live in a society that prizes upward mobility. But this is opposite to what Jesus did and what Jesus shows us. Jesus started high and went low. He started higher than anyone else and went lower than anyone else. He humbled himself, he emptied himself, and because he did that, God raised him up and gave him that title, Lord. That was Jesus' path to lordship, to true lordship. If I were forced to pick a favorite Bible passage, it would be this one. Um, Partly because it's a hymn, it's a song that the Apostle Paul quoted that was probably sung by early Christians, and I love songs. But also because it tells the entire story of Jesus in six verses. The entire story, the entire trajectory of Jesus' mission. And that story is shaped like a V. The first leg of the V is his journey down from the highest place to the lowest place, from riches to rags. The second leg of that V is his exaltation to Lord of the universe. It shows us the depths to which Jesus descended to save us and the heights to which he ascended to now reign over all things. I love this passage of Scripture. And we are called to... Follow Jesus' example and to humble ourselves before one another. This shows us that the way up is down. The way up is down. So let's go ahead and look at this beautiful passage describing the V-shaped journey of Jesus. And I want to share a few words about how to personally apply this as we head into Holy Week. Philippians chapter 2, if you have a Bible there to open. Let's read the first uh, few verses, starting in verse 5. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So the first thing I want you to notice is the place that Jesus starts. Being in very nature God. He enjoyed equality with God, union with God, oneness with God. You can't get any higher than that, right? And yet it says he did not consider this as something to be used to his own advantage. What exactly does that mean? If he already had it, why, what does this mean? It means that he refused to stay where his divine status would only profit himself. Uh, if the only way to help us was to was to give it all up, that's what he chose. So he came down, and what a great distance he came down. The text says he made himself nothing, or in older translations, he emptied himself. The immortal God took on a mortal body. The infinite became finite. The creator became creature. 
not losing his divinity and yet being seriously constricted and constrained in his humanness. Fully human, fully God. The distance that Jesus traveled down is unfathomable to us, literally. We cannot imagine how far down Jesus came to be one of us. But he did it. And he did not do it in spite of being God. He did it precisely because he is God. And he revealed to us God's true heart, which is self-emptying, self-giving love. And not only did the Son of God become a man, but he wasn't even a powerful man or a prestigious man or a, a, a man of high esteem. He became a servant. He became subservient to his Father in heaven, where before he had enjoyed union and equality, and he became a servant to other people. We're going to remember this and reflect on this on Thursday night, Monday, Thursday, in which we recall Jesus the night before he died, um, with his disciples gathered around a final meal. Do you remember what he did? He took off his outer garment. He wrapped himself with a towel. He picked up a basin of water, and he began to wash the dirt off of his disciples' feet, something that only a slave would have done in those days. He came down so far Let me give you a little analogy if this helps. Imagine a man who is the owner of a successful multi-billion dollar corporation. He has a son who grows up in luxury and comfort, having all the advantages of, of wealth and his dad's position. And he knows that everything his dad owns will one day be his. In fact, on his 21st birthday, his dad draws up uh, papers to, for the son to officially receive ownership of the whole company. And all he has to do is sign on that dotted line. It already belongs to him. He just has to make it official. Sign on the dotted line. But instead, he, he puts the pen down. He pushes the papers away. He, he leaves the office. He gives away his Porsche. He lets go of his bank account He moves out of the mansion, and he leaves, and he gives up his entire fortune to go to work as a janitor at the local nursing home because he wants to serve people. Now, I don't know if that's a helpful mental image for you, but it's a small picture of what Jesus did by refusing the easy path to lordship and praise, and coming, giving that all up, and coming to empty himself, to come become one of us. But he went further than that. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What does it mean that It says Jesus became obedient to death. Why doesn't it say he just died? Well, here's why. Because Jesus was without sin. Death had no rightful claim on him. Right? He was without sin. He was God. Death had no claim on him. He had to voluntarily 
hand himself over to the power of death, become obedient to death. He obeyed its power. That's how far down he came. And in this, I want you to notice something really striking. The path that Adam took is the exact mirror image of the path that Jesus took. So Adam, our our ancestor, was a human being made in God's image who sinfully grasped at becoming like God. Remember the fruit? The serpent said, if you eat this, you will become like God. And Adam reached for that. Adam reached for greatness. Jesus, on the other hand, already had that, but did not consider that something to be grasped, but laid it aside. Adam, for his disobedience, became enslaved to sin and death. Jesus, though he had no sin, made himself obedient to death. Do you see the parallels here, how Jesus is the mirror image of our ancestor Adam. He is the perfect human who lived how we should have lived. But Jesus went lower still. He didn't simply die of old age or cancer or heart attack. Now, as horrible as any death is, and Jesus tasted in real human death, he died what was universally considered the, the worst kind of death, an agonizingly slow, cruel, humiliating, dehumanizing death, a death that for the Romans was, re- was reserved for criminals and for the, the Jews was a sign of God's curse, being hung on a tree. The first century B.C. Roman writer Cicero said this, wrote this, far be the very name of a cross, not only from the body, but from every thought, from the eyes, from the ears of Roman citizens. Pastor John Dixon, uh, who's from Australia, one time gave, went to give a talk at a university in Sydney called The Wounds of God. At the end of his talk, During the Q&A time, a Muslim man stood up and he said, quote, how preposterous was the claim that the creator of the universe should be subjected to the forces of his own creation, that he would have to eat, sleep, and go to the toilet, let alone die on a cross, right? The man went on to argue that it was illogical that God, the cause of all causes, could have pain inflicted on him, on him by any lesser beings. Now, this pastor, John Dixon, couldn't think of any way to rebut this person's argument. And so he simply said, thank you for making the uniqueness of the Christian claim clear. <laughs> he writes, quote, what the Muslim denounces as blasphemy The Christian holds precious that God has wounds. Jesus was wounded for us. Jesus died the worst death, a death of of judgment, of humiliation. That's how low Jesus came. That's how far down he came. That's why it says, even death on a cross because it's, it's a crazy, mind-bending truth that the God of the universe would die on a cross. 
So Jesus had two paths to lordship. Option A, reach out his hand, put on the crown, and be hailed as king forever. The crown that already belonged to him, being very nature God, right? Option B, give up everything, lose his divine privileges, um, empty himself, enter a brutal world, be despised and rejected, finally be condemned to death, be nailed on a cross, be cursed by man and God, and die. And he chose option B. He chose to go low for us. And you and I, likewise, have a choice to make. We can choose to follow Adam in striving for greatness, or we can choose to follow Jesus in going low for others. We can focus on what we want, or we can think about what others want. And I know this isn't easy. It's hard to lay down our desires, our dreams, our preferences, our opinions, our feelings. It's hard to lay ourselves down for others. It could be sacrificing your career goals for your family. That's laying yourself down for someone else. Or even forgiving someone who has hurt you. Or choosing not to get the last word in an argument. Or stopping to listen to someone in need as long as they need, even though you have important things to do. Or letting, letting a coworker get credit for something that you've done most of the work on. Anything that, that shows a posture of humility toward others. And that can be hard. Every time we do that, we die a little death and say, you before me, like Meg so well put it in her prayer. But the good news, friends, is that we, we don't have to go nearly as far down as Jesus. He carved that pattern for us that we should follow, and yet he did what we could never do. He left heaven and went all the way to the cross. All we need to go, do is go from five or six feet to about three feet. The, you know, the distance from standing to kneeling in our lives. To lower ourselves before others. The way down is the way up. But the passage isn't over. Let's pick up at verse 9. <clears throat> We're here at the bottom of the V in this passage. But in God's system, what goes down must come up. So verse 9. Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word therefore is telling us the very reason Jesus deserves this title, Lord, is because of his self-emptying love. He has a new kind of authority now, the authority of, of one who has uh, given himself up for us, the authority of love. Um, this, so therefore, God exalted him. He was raised up from death to life, from humility to glory, from 
uh, earth to heaven. He ascended to heaven and claimed that crown that uh, as Lord of all. And in doing that, he fulfilled a promise from the prophet Isaiah. He said in Isaiah 45, 23, God said, By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. Jesus claimed that crown. And he is forever, now and forever, Lord of the universe and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, which is to say, angels, human beings, demons, whatever creatures may be, must bow to Jesus. We must now bend low before the high king. And that is a joy and a privilege for those of us who follow him as Lord. Next Sunday, for worship, we are going to celebrate Jesus' lordship. His lordship over death, his uh, defeat of evil, his reigning and ruling over all. We're going to join our voices in doing what this text says, that we will declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But before we get there, before we get to next Sunday, please take the opportunity this week to remember how low Jesus went, how he stooped down to wash his disciples' feet, how he laid down his life, how he knelt down in prayer, surrendering his life to God, how he how he was killed, how he went into the tomb. He went low for us. He gave it all up. So remember that this week. Take opportunities um, through our church and through other ways to, to meditate and reflect on this great, incredible, mysterious, magnificent truth that Jesus emptied himself for us. And then we'll wait for Sunday to come. Oh Lord, help us become people who lay down our lives for others. We know, Lord, that um, as, as I think of the people in this room and the people watching, there are already many stories of how you have helped us lay down our lives and become Christ-like in our relationships, in our attitudes. And we pray that that would happen more and more. I agree. Say yes and amen to the prayer that Meg prayed a little while ago, that you would let your humility be born in us. And Father, help us to to wonder and to worship at what Jesus did. Help us to worship him. Uh, prepare our hearts for the glorious celebration of the resurrection, um, remembering that, that the grave is no longer the final destination, but it is um, a low point before resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, that you've changed the grave into, um, uh, uh, you've taken the sting out of death. 
and you have given us the hope of resurrection. But Lord, help us to live in a Christ-like way, humbling ourselves before others. We ask it in his name. Amen.